All right. Thank you for tuning in. Well, you don't really tune in anymore, do you? Thank you for downloading or subscribing or clicking or swiping or however else you have operated in order to listen to this podcast. It's True Sleep. And what we do is meditate on a small section of scripture in order to get some rest for our souls. This is what we believe God uh, holds out for us, gives us to do during restless times. And so my aim is just to walk through the scripture. I don't try to add a lot of my own opinions. I want this to be really safe in terms of the teaching aspect of it. So I don't go out on a limb on anything, just what the passage says uh, in context the best I can. And I want to say a special hello to listener, listeners in Camarillo, California, or is it Camarillo, California? I uh, don't know for sure. I've never been there, but I'm glad you're listening. Glad you're listening wherever you are. We're going to meditate on Romans chapter 1, uh, really verses 11 and on, but we'll start reading at verse 8 to get the full line of thinking. So let's pray and ask for God's help, and then we'll just settle in and meditate together. Father, would you please guide our minds and our hearts as we meditate on your word? Will you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Fill this listener with your Holy Spirit now. Help them to just settle in and rest in the, the goodness and truth and the pureness and cleanness and safety of your presence and your word right now and help me to serve them well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans 1 going to start reading at verse 8, but we're really going to slow it down and start meditating when we hit verse 11. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a letter to the Christians in Rome, writes, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And that's verse 11, so that's where we'll slow it down. Paul says, for I long to see you. Now, whenever you see the word for, you need to try to remember what came right before it, because that's what he's explaining. So do you remember what I read right before that? I'll refresh your memory. Uh, right before that, he said that he keeps the, the Roman Christians in his prayers always, and he asks God to somehow, by God's will, uh, that, that he may be allowed to come to them, to succeed in coming to them. And the reason he wants to come to them is because he longs to see them. That is such a loving and personable, personal way to phrase it. It's not that uh, he's just trying to conduct some business. It's not that he's just trying to get something done. He longs to see them. He, he doesn't just want to hear about them through the grapevine or by receiving their letters. He wants to be physically present with them. Now, I think this is a good time to just pause and think about the Christians in your life that you haven't seen in a while and just bring them to mind one by one. Those you haven't seen, reflect on the fact that you miss them. Uh, maybe you've been too busy to realize 
how important they are to you, uh, but that if you really think about it, you do long to see them. Uh, think about them, think about how you long to see them, and thank God for the blessing of fellowship that we have with one another as Christians. Paul goes on to say, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. So he doesn't only long to see them because he enjoys their company, although there's probably a taste of that in there too. He is a man on a mission. He is an apostle, and his desire is to see these Christians strengthened as a church. And so he longs to see them. He prays that he can come to be with them so that he may impart to them some spiritual gift. Now, it's not immediately clear what he means just in text, what he means by imparting a spiritual gift. So let's read on. Well, before we read on, what do you think he might mean by that? And then we'll read on and try to gain some clues from the passage. says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So there's one clue. He's hoping to impart to them something. It's spiritual in nature, and it's a gift in nature. It's not something that they, they need to earn or work for. And its effect will be to strengthen them. But it's still not immediately clear. So let's keep reading on into verse 12. He clarifies, he says, That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So that's all the clues he's going to give us at this phase of the letter. So what, do you, what does he mean here? That I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. What does that mean? What does it look like to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith? I heard an illustration or a story once, and I cannot remember where it originally came from, but I'm going to guess A.W. Tozer. That may not be right, but I'm going to guess that. And he told the story of a preacher who went to visit with a parishioner who had not been to church in a long time, and he was sitting by the fire with this parishioner, and the parishioner said, you know, I really don't feel that I need to go to church. I have my relationship with Jesus, I read my Bible, and I pray, and I just don't think I need the hassle of going to church regularly and dealing with the politics and the drama and all that stuff. 
And while he spoke, the preacher just sort of listened kindly. And as he listened, he took the fire poker and just drew out a single ember from the fire. And while the ember had remained in the fire, it remained hot and burned just like the rest of the wood and embers and everything in there. But as soon as it toppled out onto the bricks of the hearth, it quickly began to fade and the red faded to uh, a dull color and then all the way to black. And the parishioner knew exactly what he meant and started coming back to church. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here. I think this is the effect he's referring to. Uh, we are strengthened by time and proximity with our fellow Christians. Our faith strengthens them, and their faith strengthens us. And so Paul really wants to see them. He wants to be with them because he's wanting to stoke the flames of their faith with his own. And he feels that he too will be encouraged. He'll, he'll be strengthened by their faith. So what is your relationship with your church? Are you a committed and engaged member of a local church? If you're not, why not? What can you do to overcome the barriers or obstacles that are keeping you from being with your fellow Christians as a member engaged with your local church? I hope and pray that you will overcome those obstacles because you need to be mutually encouraged by the faith of your fellow Christians. Uh, we all need that. And if you are an engaged, committed member of your local church, I uh, praise God for that. And just want to invite you to take some time to reflect on how the faith of your brothers and sisters in Christ has encouraged you. All right, let's read on a little further into verse 13. Paul writes, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So he's continuing on this line of thought just about how much he has really wanted to come and visit with them in person. 
he wants them to be aware of his desire to come uh, and the fact that the reason he hasn't come is because he's been prevented, not because of a lack of motivation. And now he's giving the reason that he wants to come in order that he may reap some harvest among them as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Again, just like before, it's not immediately clear what he means, reap a harvest, but it does conjure up memories of other scriptures that use this type of language, sowing and reaping. Can you remember other passages that use that idea of planting, sowing, tilling, tending, reaping a harvest? Let's read on and see if we can gain some clues as to what he means here about reaping a harvest. Verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, which is a surprising turn of phrase for us, but it looks like according to the footnotes, he just means non-Greek people. It says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Okay, so there's a bit of a clue there. He's He's got a wide variety of people in mind that he wants to minister to. And the ministry he has in mind is preaching the gospel. And so with that being our clue to what he means by reaping a harvest, it sounds like he means his past, present, and future preaching of the gospel through in-person preaching and in writing. He's hoping will result in people becoming Christians and in Christians growing in their faith in Christ. And so it sounds like he's hoping that he can come and he can see firsthand Roman Christians, people becoming Christians and Christians growing as Christians. So let's think about the harvest these days. Does it seem like the preaching of the gospel is bringing about much of a harvest? Does this seem to you to be a fruitful time for Christians ministering or a barren time? Or do you know? What I'd like to do now is just kind of lead you in praying through the broad strokes of this whole paragraph, and that's how we'll close our time together. This is a good closing. uh, This is a good good exit ramp here before we get into kind of the next next paragraph, the next line of thinking. Um, So let's pray, and I'll just kind of prompt you along, and these prompts will come straight from this paragraph of Scripture, and then I'll pray for you, and and hopefully you'll be able to get some good rest. So, Father, we pray together, me and my brother, my sister, this listener here, and we thank you through Jesus Christ for the Christians that you have placed in our lives. 
and we want to pray for our fellow Christians. And I pray that you would prompt in our minds and our memories just one or two or three specific fellow Christians who need some prayer so that we can lift them up to you, the same way Paul prayed for these Roman Christians. And we think of our fellow Christians that we haven't seen in a while, and we just ask that maybe you would bless us with a chance to reconnect with them. Father, we recognize that you've designed that your church, you design reality to work in a certain way, and that includes the fact that your people need each other, and we cannot be Christians individually. We will burn out, we'll die out. And so, Lord, I ask on behalf of this listener that you would bless them with rich fellowship with Christians of all ages and varieties of um, situations, just a rich, diverse fellowship of fellow Christians in their local church and beyond. We'll have good relationships beyond just our local church, but we ask that you would please bless us with real Christian fellowship like what's represented in this text. And we pray for those who minister Please bring to mind those who minister to us in our local churches and uh, even informally outside of our local churches. Pray that they would be encouraged and that their ministry would be fruitful and that they would be able to see a harvest being reaped, that it would not be barren. And finally, I just want to pray for this listener that they would believe deeply in the good news of Jesus Christ, that they would believe in his perfect life, that they would believe in his death on the cross in their place for their sins, that they would believe in his resurrection from the dead and his ascension to your right hand. Father, I pray that they would believe in Jesus as their Savior and that they would be freed from their sins and made right with you and reconciled to you, and that they would enjoy all the privileges and blessings of being your child. And I pray that they would believe in Jesus as their Lord, that they would look to him for guidance and direction, and that they would joyfully obey his commands. In Jesus' name, amen.